Hello, everybody. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. Welcome to the Comedy Film Nerds Podcast, episode 237. Yeah. Great show for you today. We are going to be talking about Fury, Rudderless, The Book of Life, The Judge, and uh, some really cool stuff on uh, DVD and some not so cool stuff on DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then what's coming out this week? We're starting to get into Oscar films. Um, but I wanted to thank everybody that came out to Go Bananas this past weekend in Cincinnati. It was a great weekend. Oh, you were at Go Bananas? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a fun club. Have you played that club yeah, before? Yeah, it's yeah. A, I love that club. Yeah. And, uh, it is a fun club. I remember when we it did is, it. You know, it's been there for a million years, and it's... It's, it's in the back. I, it's in the back. Uh, <laughs> is Mike still managing yeah, it? Mike, Mike yeah. Kurtz is still managing yeah. it, so... What were you doing there? A special show or something? I was just headlining all weekend. Oh, cool. And then... Um, so... Best special show, yeah. Special, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then and Doug Benson did a show on Saturday, the four twenty show, and I opened up for him, and that was a lot of fun because mm-hmm. I haven't performed with him in a while, and we did a a Bane off, and we did uh, you know <laughs> we played some DLM games and shit like that. It was a lot of fun. So well, let's introduce our guest. I mean, he's already uh, chimed in. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, keep my mouth shut. It's his first time on the show, mm-hmm. and also we got him here because he normally lives in New York. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and I'm in to town this here. week. Yeah, and I'm great. It's great to be here, and I love. I love your space. I love the free weights and the, yeah. and uh, the refrigerator and then a bunch of clothes. This is literally looks like my mother's basement. <laughs> yeah. Can I do some uh, bicep curls while we yeah, do sure. this? Why and then not? you have a shredder. Apparently, you're doing some NSA stuff. Yeah, don't worry about it. And then a very gothic, like, christian kind of chair from like a church i don't know what you guys are doing but i feel like you're stealing shit and then selling it out of this garage Just so you know everything That's... in this garage gets used at one time i don't know if i was allowed to say garage but it's and it is there's a door behind me this is yeah. awesome this is how it gets and then done. you have a, and then you're weighing stuff so apparently you're dealing crystal meth good yeah, for you guys <laughs> and gothic chairs that's our, that's our meth gothic chair there's business. not a lot of people offering both of those things yeah. and they're that's all they're all signed that's what they're all meth <laughs> that's what our fans like they like meth and gothic chairs if I could just do crystal meth while sitting on a gothic chair I know where to go <laughs> <laughs> the comedy nerds this is us and this is like just so people know it's not like they got like a couple of weights they have like a machine where you can squat do squats and like it's literally like it's kind of like you ripped off uh a gym but only took like what you could get your hands on in 20 minutes like you took part of a gym well i think it was more of a fire sale (laughs) and it was 30 minutes yeah it was 30 minutes we had a big van so ladies and gentlemen uh daily show writer and also former former writer but i've been a writer writer, uh paul mercurio yes and you have a podcast on the mm-hmm. Sideshow Network. Tell us all about it. I do, I do. Uh, because as a comedian, it's the law. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, they got, they, they, you know, they were, because I think you do a podcast. And I like um, talking long form, like mm-hmm. uh, long form interviews, you know. Um, and Podcast World is a great place to do it, you know. You can't do it on radio anymore. You can't do it on TV. And, uh, you know, other than Charlie Rose or Tava Smiley. So, um, I just decided to start talking to people, and um, I realized, oh, I knew a few people with some pretty cool backgrounds and names. So I've had, you know, uh, Bob Costas on, Sugar Ray Leonard, Jay Leno, host of the Mythbusters, um, Stephen Colbert, Rob Corddry, talking. I like to sort of not just have it be about comedy. I'm just really fascinated by process and what people do and how they do it. So, how'd you get these people on the show? Um, 
I have pictures of a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> sitting in gothic chairs yeah. doing crystal meth. <laughs> I fucking own these people. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, sure. Sorry. Um, yeah. So uh, Bob Costas, uh, I had an HBO sports comedy series. So uh, through HBO, I got to know him, and he played. He interviewed me. I played the asterisk, a personification of the asterisk, which I think is the most powerful symbol and powerful thing in sports. And so I was a personification of it, and he interviewed me, and he was awesome. Like he came in, he didn't know any copy. I handed him the paper, and like three minutes, he had it. And it's actually online, and people can see it. It's part of an HBO series called Got No Game that I did. Um, Stephen Colbert and I started together on The Daily Show, and we used to share an office and write together. Uh, Rob Corddry and I worked together on The Daily Show. Jay Leno got me my start in the business. I was an attorney and a lawyer and investment banker on Wall Street doing M&A deals. And I started... Wow, really? Yeah. And uh, I started writing jokes as a hobby. And you lost $80,000 of his money. <laughs> Exactly. Jay, here's the deal. I lost your money, but the upside, I can write jokes for free. How's that for a quid pro quo? So you had to work it off? Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, I was on Wall Street with no plans of doing anything in the entertainment world. Although, I guess that's not true. In law school, I started to have short film ideas. So, And I always loved comedy. And I was watching comedy and stand-up comics on like The Tonight Show, Letterman, stuff like that. But I'm going to go be a lawyer. I'm a middle-class kid from Rhode Island. I'm going to go be a lawyer. And I like business and laws. I'm going to do do corporate law. But I was always writing these short film ideas. So one of my first paychecks, I bought a camera, and I started making short films uh, as a lawyer on the side. And then one of them got into the uh, $12,000 I spent on this black and white 60 millimeter. It was like 10 minutes. Everybody was like, you're crazy. You're wasting your money. And it got into a bunch of festivals. And I got to like go to a luncheon with like Albert Brooks and oh. Spike Lee and the Hudlin brothers. For, it was for a luncheon for young filmmakers at the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival. And I'm like, wow. And this was my weekend off from work. Like this isn't even my main yeah. job, right? <laughs> and then um, I started writing Joe's a hobby. And I got to go to see Jay Leno perform at a private function that my firm had some affiliation with. And it was a very exclusive, like, you know, 150 people. And I was super busy. I was like working crazy hours, like these young associate hours where you're just like right. a slave to like these M&A deals. And I basically said, I'll take an hour break. And I had all these jokes written in a passworded file at work and I printed them out. And he performed and then Leno was doing a meet and greet after. And I went up and I said, I love you, I do jokes, I have jokes. And I hand him the jokes. And he's like, hey. And he really does talk like that. It's like they're letting helium out of a balloon very slowly. Like you just want to yell at him like, breathe for God's sakes, breathe, breathe, man. And then he goes, hey, come back here. I go, what? He goes, you might want to put your name and your phone number on here so I know how to reach you. Like I was like so flustered. Like I didn't even, and then the next day he called me and he said, I need jokes for the Tonight Show monologue. I'll hire you to start start sending jokes in. And if I use them, I'll pay you 50 bucks a joke. Then he calls me the next week and he does to tell me he's doing one of my jokes that night. And he does it. And it blows my head off my shoulders. I'm like, whoa, this is way cooler than these billion dollar merger yeah. deals I was working on, <laughs> which you'd think like would be pretty cool. And it was, but like, it's not, it just, and I think looking back, I was like, there's this creative spark that went off. Like I created something out of thin air and you guys know you perform right or whatever and you have your show and it, re- it reaches people. And it was just, po- I was a, I was, it was powerful. So yeah. now I became obsessed with writing jokes. 
to the point where I was going to deal meetings with two notebooks and one was for the jokes and one was for deal notes and I was taking no deal notes like and, then, <laughs> and I was responsible for doing like minutes of the meeting and like I had I would have to go back and like now what did he say because I'm just because I'm I mean you know you're a comedian you know it's like you're observing yeah. in and these really like masters of the universe like characters like these T Boom Pickens from like Texas comes in this oil magnet and he's we're selling something for him and like just these characters larger than life. And then Leno says to me, go try the jokes out before you send them to me. You can see how they do. So I start to go to open mic nights in New York City, little dive bars to get stage time when I had a dinner break. Because you work till literally like one in the morning, go home, then go back and pull all nighters. But you'd get like a dinner break at seven or eight o'clock. And I would go to these shitholes. Like one of the places I worked was called uh, Downtown Beirut 2. <laughs> I, I love the two and i'm like well either franchising these or israeli fighters took out the first one i don't know right and it was literally like a dysfunctional cheers a hooker worked out of there they dealt drugs out of the bathroom um there was a pimp that worked out of there when people on the streets borrow money from you to go drinking, you wonder where do they go to drink? They would go to the, this bar. They literally would go. There was a sign on the men's room door that said, the toilet seat is only to be used to go to the bathroom, not to cut Coke. Thank you, the management. <laughs> Perfect place yeah, to exactly, stand exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. And, I'm, and I, I would go and I like try to dress down, take my tie off and my jacket at least and roll up my sleeves with my little Brooks Brothers shirt and suit, <laughs> right? And totally out of place. And... Uh, I'm waiting to go on stage one night and there's a fight at the pool table there's a guy on stage playing blown in the wind badly and uh, a guy runs out of the bar and a guy grabs his neck and he starts screaming he cut me man the motherfucker he cut me it was a drug deal gone bad and they knew each other and the guy cut him across the side of the neck with a box cutter and ran out and now the guy's bleeding not bleeding not so deep that like he was right. dying but like a lot of blood and he's super drunk so like you know when you're drunk you yeah. don't know and his girlfriend's like oh my god and he's like oh, i'm gonna fucking get him and the guy's on stage yeah so my friend like he just keeps playing like he's not getting off right so i think the show's over right the MC goes up and goes, you guys ready for some comedy? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. the greatest first show that's ever happened to anybody. So I'm like, and I, and you'll understand this, I'm too new to understand that I don't have to go up. Like, I think I have to go up. Right. It's, a, it's not like it's the fucking Tonight Show and I yeah. have to go on. It's like a shithole. I could just walk out and they'll just bring some other schmuck well, up. they might right? cut you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You got to get back on stage. <laughs> so I go up thinking I have to go up and I don't know what to say. So I'm a bit of a wise ass and I go, well, it's nice to be here at downtown Beirut too. I always wanted to follow a slashing, which I thought was a pretty good line. And But the guy now is wandering around the bar and he's going, he heard me say just the word slashing and he thought I was making fun of him and he, was, and he goes, hey, he goes, are you uh, you busting my balls? I don't need to take this shit from you. And he charges the stage and he takes all these bloody cocktail napkins and he throws them at me. And they hit my shirt and they bounce off my shirt and so leave a blood stain on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this is all true. So now, <laughs> at this point... This is the greatest first show that's ever And in your happened. head when that happened, you're like, I gotta finish my set. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly... That's how fucked up I Jay am. Jay Leno needs these jokes. Exactly. Like 50 I, bucks a throw. I, I mean, lost is... $80,000 of this guy's money. There's at least I can do that. <laughs> so... And I'm literally, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is God's message, get off stage. And I'm like, fuck this, I'm staying. Fuck this guy, right? So I'm doing my say. This is no God's message to get out of life. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, go back to your little safe job <laughs> in your little ivory tower. So I, uh, 
I just like I just was like, holy shit. And uh nobody's paying attention. Really? They weren't uh <laughs> yeah, that's weird. they didn't have a good crowd there that night. That's weird. <laughs> and, the guy, and the guy's screaming. And then all of a sudden he turns back to me and he goes, Hey, what are you doing anyway? I go, I'm I'm trying to tell jokes. And I think like I'm I'm next. Yeah. He, he goes, turns back to everybody in the club. He goes, Oh yeah, he goes, I like jokes. Hang on a second. Hey everybody. Shut the fuck up. This guy's trying to tell jokes. <laughs> the whole place shuts up. What? And when he would scream. And he's still bleeding. He's still bleeding. What? Not only was it when he screamed, the, the stress on the neck, like a little bit of blood would like squirt out like, like that. Like it would drip. Because he was like that, right? And the whole place shuts up. I was doing great for those two minutes because they were afraid not to laugh because this fucking nut job, right? So I get off stage. And I get back, I would have like a, a car service take me down and like hide like a block away in the shadows. I didn't want any, it was a secret double life I was leading. Nobody right. on Wall Street could know I was, a, you know, right. trolling bars and nobody, this world, they thought I was a, like some trust fund kid, which I wasn't. I get back in the car, I go back up. I was supposed to be gone an hour. I was gone three and a half hours. It's close to midnight. The senior partner in the firm's there. And they, these guys, this is like corner office guy, gray hair, doesn't stay past six o'clock. It's fucking almost midnight. I walk into the room. You know when you're like 15 and you do something really stupid, like you dent your parents, sure. whatever, and you think you're going to fucking snow them with this scheme that you have and they they get they know it in like three seconds? I became 15 years old. I decide I'm going to walk around the firm with a file folder covering my blood stain and no one will notice it on my white shirt right where, right where my rib cage is, right? I walk into the room, a conference room, 20 lawyers, bankers, deal blew up, and the senior guy goes... Uh, Screaming at me. You know, like when your dad's screaming yeah. at you, it's like he can't even see straight. Where have you been? What have you been doing? Why do you have a blood stain on your shirt? <laughs> like it was literally like four seconds and it was out. And I'm like, I'm fucking dead. I'm dead, right? And it's a pregnant pause. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody goes, uh, what kind of shirt is that? And one of the lawyers goes, uh, I go, it's uh, Brooks Brothers. He goes, oh, I get stains in Brooks Brothers shirts all the time. You want club soda and lemon juice to get that out. <laughs> and another guy goes... Nah, you know, Armani's pretty good to get stains out. They started to compete with each other, but what was the better shirt to get blood stains out? Jesus. <laughs> and I just slinked out of the room. And and so that was that was my life for like two years. Was that years. your last day? No, but it was coming up it was it was like coming up fast because I was trying to keep it all together. Like I I then I started to get past at some of the bigger clubs in New York and then I yeah. but you go on like late at night. But like one night, like one of the partner's wives was there with some friends. They were out like late girls night out. And I'm like, holy fuck. And I had to go like hide behind the bar until she left. And then it was just, I was having a nervous breakdown. And my girlfriend, who's now my wife, we were living together. When I finally told her, because she even she didn't know, she goes, oh, thank God. Well, no, actually what she said was, I said, I think I want to leave Wall Street to be a comedian. She said, that better be your first joke. That was that was what she said to me. <laughs> but then she goes, thank God. I go, why? She goes, well, I thought you were cheating on me because you're supposed to be working and you're coming home like reeking of beer and cigarette smoke and you have blood stains on your <laughs> fucking shirt and women's phone numbers, which were other comics with rooms. So she put a different story together. So so then I did it for like another, I, I was sort of living, I was sort of straddling the two worlds for like a year. And then I was just like, I another year. And I was just like, I either got to shit or get off the pot. I can't. You know what's interesting is uh, no one reacted to the way I thought they would when they saw you with a blood stain on your shirt. That's <laughs> everyone's like, you got to get that out. Or, yeah, oh, I, I literally or, thought, oh, I thought you were cheating on me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to this day, I'm the same way. Like I would have been like, how did that? Because that's the thing I was feared. Once he said it, 
Then I, my mind started going, okay, what's the story? Yeah, Why? I thought you were going to go, oh, I got mugged and they'd have sympathy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, it was like a roundish stain. Sure. Like, so it didn't even, like, you can't, I couldn't say like, oh, I cut, it wasn't like a little bit of blood. Like I cut my finger and it like glanced across my shirt. Like it was a big fucking grapefruit of a stain. So it was like, so yeah, I, I you know, and, and that sort of, that's kind of how it all started. And then I sold my apartment and I moved to, uh, that I own, and I moved to a rooming house outside the city. Uh, we shared a bathroom and a kitchen. I had a little room, like 10 by 12 room, and I lived, uh, I shared, I lived in this place with two ex-cons, two recovering addicts, two ex-cons on parole, two recovering addicts, and a 300-pound phone sex operator who sold Herbalife diet products door-to-door. She lived above me. So the people from the bar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, you just moved above the bedroom. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so it was a very, uh, it was a bizarre, like, wow. whatever. Yeah, so I don't know. How, so, so yeah, so anyway, been doing stand-up and... Yeah, the podcast and uh, show yeah, yeah, so that's how the <laughs> that's le- yeah exactly story. <laughs> but um, but I got to interview Paul McCartney on my podcast. Is it okay if I tell the story yeah, real yeah, quick? Tell it. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, Don't worry, everyone. We'll get to the movie soon. I'm uh, sorry, I, I went too long on that story, <laughs> didn't right. I? That's all right. It was a, story. Yeah, it's not the kind of story you interrupt. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> well, you just tell me to stop talking. No, I, real quick, I uh, I run into Paul McCartney at a show uh, uh, that I was working on, and he's at the Beirut too. He's at the Beirut too. <laughs> he's a bartender, <laughs> <laughs> and he's standing in the hallway after rehearsal. They haven't taped the show yet, and he's all alone in the hallway. Like, all alone, just hanging out, chewing gum, looking at the ceiling, literally, like, leaning against the wall one show, looking at the ceiling. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Paul McCartney. Should I talk to him? Should I not? And I'm like, screw it. It's like a gazelle on the Serengeti's planes. He's game. I'm going to talk to him. He's out here with no handlers or bodyguards. So I say, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, what's your name? Paul. Oh, Paul, that's a good name. What do you do? Oh, I'm a stand-up. Oh, I like stand-up. We start talking. Kids and touring, like, five minutes, ten minutes. And it's like I'm I'm having an out of body experience. Like on the on the outside, I'm all cool. On the inside, I'm like I'm talking to Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like every sixty. I, it, and I was getting creepy close. Like I don't know if you ever saw the Seinfeld episode, the close talker. Yeah, I yeah, became yeah. that guy because he looks amazing. He's seventy one, and I kept getting closer and close. Like I was like that chimp sure. on the National Geographic channel that cleans gnats off its felt. Like I was that close to his face. You thought he was one of those three D pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're getting closer. Right? Exactly. Now it's going into focus. And he looks amazing. And so then uh, one thing leads to another. And I said, "Hey, why would you be sleeping with a woman with one leg?" No, uh, <laughs> I, I did want to ask him that. And I. I'm delusional and I like and I'm really fascinated by musicians because I'm not musically inclined. So I like to talk to musicians about how they make music. Mm-hmm. As it's just and I really like process. So I said to him, uh, I'd like to talk about making music. Uh, would you do my podcast? And he goes, Yeah, sure. Just like what? that. What? Just like that fast. Not let me think about it. Talk to my guy. No, no. Now I turned into like the 15. Remember you like in high school, there was a hot chick you wanted to ask out and then you finally say, I'm going to ask her out. She'll say no and I'll get this out of my system. But instead she says yes and you don't have a plan. Yeah. That was me. He goes, yeah. And I'm like, how would we do it? And I'm like, uh, this is in New- now we're in New York City, by the way. He goes, uh, I go, uh, uh, uh. I'll come to London. And he's like, we're in New York. And then I, I, and he goes, is it easy to do? And I actually said to Paul McCartney, yeah, it's super easy. I don't want to be a bother. You could do it uh, on the phone, naked from your toilet. I'm like, what am I saying? And he saw how flustered I was. He was really nice. And he goes, uh, look, this, uh, I said, I'll go talk to your assistant. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, just let you and I coordinate it. They'll muck it up. Wow. And long story short, he does the show. I think I got the nicest blow off ever. Blow off ever. He, my phone rings. I'm now running over to the Daily Show to do that taping. I don't recognize 
the number, I let it ring to voicemail, and this um, is the message that was on my phone. Hey, Paul, it's Paul McCartney here. Um, I'm going to ring you back in five minutes to do the podcast thing. I've got some time now. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of time. So if you're there in five minutes' time, you got me. Okay, bye. You have a voicemail from a beetle on your iPhone. Are you that aware of that fact? Oh, that's awesome. That's and and I the by the way, I picked thing. this message up in 52nd Street and 11th Avenue because I'm literally walking and I literally stop and people must have thought I was like a crazy homeless guy because I start going, Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> I just screened the call from Paul McCartney and I'm screaming into the top of my lungs. And then um and then I call the Sideshow Network. I speak to Sean, a fellow friend, mm. and I go, Sean, I think I, I, I'm going to have Paul McCartney. He goes, well, we got somebody in the studio. And I turned into that guy for a minute. I'm like, did you not hear me? I have Paul McCartney. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And, then, and then I had to call him back three more times because we had to coordinate getting the line. And I finally was like, Mr. McCartney, I'm going to have a heart attack. Can we just do it another day? He goes, no, no, it's the only window. And then I called him back and he got on the phone and we did it. It was so, it, all, it happened within two hours of asking him, it happened. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, and awesome. he couldn't have been a nicer guy. I mean, I've been big time by much smaller people than that in this world, mm-hmm. in this business, and he could not have been a nicer guy. And we talked about process and, you know, like I was fascinated. I just asked him, like, how, where did you got, like as a comedian, you kind of want to give your audience what you know they like. Right. And the bigger you get, the more there's that pull between what you want and what they yeah. want. And I said, where did you guys get the chutzpah of, like, it changed your sound so radically from one album to another when you had millions of fans. Weren't you worried about them going, well, I don't want Sgt. Pepper. I want, you know. Yeah, Hard Day's Night. Yeah, like, he goes, no, we didn't never thought that way. He goes, we just did what we thought was cool and wanted to do and trusted our fans would stay with us. So it was really, really proud of a really cool conversation. So people can check it out on iTunes, the Paul McCurio show. Thanks for bringing me. I have this this thing saved in four places too. (laughs) You need a backup for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, well, let's talk some movies. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot actually to talk about. Now, Fury, this is a movie you saw, and I was actually, I was on the fence about this movie when I saw the trailer, so I want to hear your take on this. It's, overall, it's a very good movie. It, it is. is. It's a very good movie. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Shia LaBeouf, but he's good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they do some interesting stuff with this. They do, because the question is, how do we, how are we, what is there new to talk about with World War II? That's exactly what I was thinking when I saw the trailer. Yeah. yeah. What is there? Just all oh, the gritty. What's the new take or new what's spin? The, what's the new take? Like, what could they? Okay, we've seen these guys trapped behind enemy lines. Like, we've mm-hmm. seen yeah. this. And guy. the one that was like really a stretch was the one with the art movie with the. Uh, yeah. The yeah. George Clooney director. And they really didn't execute that movie very well. Mm. So that was kind of, I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah. well, what is this going to be? Monuments Men? Yeah, Monuments yeah, yeah, there you Men. go. Exactly. So, so what they did was. They went into the real gritty part of World War II that hasn't that has been a little bit glossed over over the years is the because we were victorious against the ultimate evil in Hitler. Um, you mean the strip clubs in Austria? They cover that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you know, there were uh, American soldiers doing really. It was war, so they did brutal things. It wasn't all just like. Killing the Nazis and handing out Hershey bars to, the, <laughs> to, the, to young Germans. Not the John Wayne. No, you mean like yeah. what? I mean, you mean like what, the, awful like acts of you know assaulting like, women and that assaulting women, 
just like uh prisoner fuck that he's getting one between the eyes but there's no pow's out here where my job is to kill fucking germans wow and the grittiness and how these guys were just hardened hardened and 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 you know especially that war you didn't get to get on a plane and then come home and have r&r for a week or whatever you were gone for three years yeah and um you know it was really they did they did some amazing things showing these guys and you're just like god i'm having a hard time having sympathy for them mm. but then it's like it's this the awfulness of war in particular that war was it these guys just sort of uh it was their way of dealing with the stress of it is yeah. sort of it's that it's their way of dealing with the stress of it and um and the pragmaticness uh, or the pragmatism of of um, uh, Brad Pitt's character of just like, and, and it's in one of the trailers where he's like, I started fighting Germans in Africa and now we're in Germany. He goes, so we're bringing this home. I'm sick of this shit. Yeah. And, and um, the, there's, there's some problems that I had with it in the sense that they establish early on the first scene of the movie is them all just kind of yelling at each other. But you re- realize that they're just venting and Brad Pitt is letting them vent. Mm-hmm. And he even says, like, one guy's like, quit crawling up my ass. And he goes, if I wanted to crawl up my ass, you'd fucking know it. So so he's kind of letting his guys just sort of air it out. But it's also clear he's in charge and they respect him. See, would that ex- would explain something? Because I heard that the director was encouraging these guys to literally like get into fights and fist fights before scenes. Uh, but it, 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 maybe to fuel scenes like that? Well, yeah, and there's some very powerful scenes where they're like, because of the stress of this job and you're in a tank that everyone is shooting at and guys can, and the, the scene, the movie starts with one of their guys had already just died that they'd been with for the mm. last two years. So I think the director did a good job in that. And the sense that there's always this kind of like tension, but then this brotherhood, but there was just one scene in there after they um, took over this German village that just they're sitting at a dinner table and it just was too drawn out and it just wasn't believable to me at all. Hmm. They're challenging him and it's really challenging Pitt or yeah, they're challenging hmm. Pitt in a way that I'm just like, uh, uh-uh. uh, that, that just, it didn't, it, it just didn't resonate. They were challenging him to be ugly, to not yeah, be they, pretty. Uh, yeah, were, I dare you just, to not, to have a zit, yeah, to be exactly. imperfect. <laughs> but they like, you know, and, 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 and I, there was just a scene, it was really long and it just felt, it felt too much like too theatrical. Like it was mm. this big, almost like a scene from a stage play where right. everyone gets a big monologue and oh, and they're all kind of saved up for yeah, that scene. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, just, it just and up and but overall, I think it is really worth seeing and it's worth seeing on the big screen in the sense that it 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 does. I mean, this is the quote from the from the commercials now. As since it took the weekend, as it redefines the genre, it kind of does a little bit. Really, in the sense that. Like, I remember when Saving Private Ryan came out, that was the first time we saw that realistic Mm. battle scenes in the Mm. D-Day scenes. And, you know, a lot of people might, you might have criticisms of the rest of the movie or whatever, but the D-Day scenes, like, changed war movies after that. Right, they're brutal. And I remember when Thin Red Line came out, it was like, any war movie that came out right after that, that didn't use those sort of, that realistic Mm. battle scene kind of 
you sense it. Why wow, this feels it's short. true? Like if you if you use Patton as a sort of a like it's so clean. It's yeah. like it's it's a bloodless movie. You know, from that, right? From that. Yeah, yeah. And, and and well, Patton is a good example though. Patton was pretty dirty compared for, yeah. to for that time mm-hmm. and compared to the 50s movies that yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Saving Private Ryan was like the, whoa, yeah. we hadn't seen... That watershed. It's moment. a far cry from uh, Frank Sinatra in a sailor suit yeah, exactly. singing, <laughs> singing on a carrier. <laughs> They're in a tank punching each other in a dick. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just like dancing around. Well, well like, now, I, I got to ask this because the trailer makes it look like the tank is like almost a character in the film. Like his relationship with the tank and how it's his home. Like, how does that play out in the actual movie? Is that a big part of the film? Well, well, the, the the trailers make it seem more than it is. It's a character in the film in the sense that... Why am I not surprised? Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not the best trailer editing. But I'll tell you what. It's a character in the sense of that's where they live. Mm-hmm. And that's where shit goes down. Because that's they've been traveling literally since Africa in this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So they know it and... And, you know, they're barking or talk, they're either joking around or they're barking at each other. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's game on and everybody dials into their job and then mm. they bring on a new kid. And and while this theme of, hey, new kid, you're going to get us all killed has been done a million times before, the way they handle it in this movie is pretty like, don't fuck around here. Mm. And mm. it's pretty it's pretty brutal in terms of how they... They they treat the Germans and and all this other stuff and it's just like I I, I think it it it's really worth seeing and again I I'm surprised because I I got to tell you the trailer is not doing it justice then because I looked at the trailer a couple of times and I'm like yeah I was lukewarm eh. on the trailer and by the way I've been in a tank as I did a USO tour and they let you go in the tank I'm I, sure it's exactly the same oh my god it was. <laughs> It was so claustrophobic, yeah. and I was in for like a couple of minutes, and I'm like, "What? There's not even a, a a coffee holder in this thing." Like it was like I was I don't know how in the heat of battle. With well, they did heat. a good job cinema uh, the, the filming that of making you feel that tight cost, yeah. and like Jesus, these guys are right on top of each other, and there's smoke and there's shells, yeah. and and it's like you know, and Brad Pitt is like on the headset like get this get that what you know just barking at people and there's no room for any niceties in that environment and and they did a really good job with that i i yeah the trailers yeah the trailers I'm make surprised. it seem like it's another cliched war film right and i would say that is there is again there's a couple scenes in there that didn't play for me and and a couple times i think they had these guys some of the supporting guys go a little too over the top in terms of their caricatures but then they brought just enough three-dimensional humanity to them that it wasn't because there was times some of them walked the edge of the like mm-hmm. the southern guy in the unit oh, like yeah. we've seen in the world war ii yeah. me a million times like it's it's yeah and then yeah. there's Vinny from brooklyn yeah, who exactly. has to work with <laughs> exactly. the yeah. right and then there's a guy from the south who never met a black person yeah, before exactly. and he has to yeah. fight with him and then yeah. they end up being best friends yeah. yeah so the so so they when they walk close to that line but then they they put such like stark reality to it that it made it it made it plausible for me hmm. So I think it's worth. Now, well, here's the question: Merchandising. Are we talking a Shia LaBeouf action figure? I hope so. I hope we're going to get a little tank that a little tank that acts as a lighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it does. Yeah, and the German action figures who heads pop off. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, all right, all right. So let's talk about. I give uh, it a hashtag. Work it. All right, work it. Um, let's go to Rudderless now, uh, Paul. You saw this film. But I did. I, uh, what's it about? First of all. It is about a guy. Uh, it's got a uh, freshman, son of freshman in college, 18, 19-ish, you know, uh, 
pretty professional guy, you know, life's good. And there is a uh, school shooting at the son's campus and six kids get killed and his son's one of them. And it just turns his life upside down. And stars Billy Crudup. It's directed by William yeah. H. Macy. Yeah, so Selena Gomez is in it as like billed as the first top billing, but she's hardly in it. Lawrence Fishburne is in it, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. He's great. And Billy's really good. So it's a heavy drama. Yeah, and I almost didn't want to watch it because I have a kid. And I have once yeah. you have a kid and you start seeing fucking kids dying and shit. It's you, heartbreaking. It really and I was like, uh, I don't want to be depressed tonight. Yeah. I had a good day. Heartbreaking and terrifying. Right. At the so same time. um so then what happens is uh, I don't give too much away, but basically he kind of derails, you know, mm-hmm. he starts drinking and then he just checks out and lives on a boat and he becomes a house painter, but he's drinking all the time. But then his wife um played by um felicity huffman ex-wife she says oh here's some of his stuff and his kid was a songwriter and he was making songs and so the father i guess had some um uh, facility for uh the guitar and he runs into this kid uh he starts the the father starts playing the songs uh, of the son that the song wrote that the son wrote in Mm -hmm. this bar and then a kid about his son's age sees him who's an aspiring musician and hounds this guy to like let him play with him and then they end up playing in a band together he so he ends up playing in a band with like four or three 20 year old kids and it follows this yeah and then but he he does not reveal to anybody the songs that he's been singing and supposedly i'm doing air quotes for people listening writing were actually written by his son and then he reveals it and then everybody's pissed off at him it's especially the kid who it's funny it tricked me i thought it was going to become like remember no spoilers either don't give away the ending yeah no i thought it was going to be uh that you know what i don't want to say this because it might spoil it i thought it was a little long It was an hour and 46 minutes and i thought it could have been an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and i find those movies tend to do that they tend to like really need to show you the pain of the guy four different scenes where you could do it in two scenes and then there's sort of a B story of he's a sailor, but there's a, a stodgy sailor guy that doesn't like him and doesn't want him on the lake. And it didn't really seem to propel the story forward. But I thought it was pretty well done. And Billy's really good in it. Like, he's really, really good in it. Uh, I, I think it, I'm interesting because cause I, I barely remember even coming out. It must have just had like a really, it came out earlier in the year and had a really small release. Yeah. And the, he, um, um, there's no sex scenes, which was a big bummer for me. I was just hoping anything, even with the kid, you know, man on man sex. I don't care. I'll <laughs> take it in a tank, something. maybe in a tank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was, it's, it's definitely like if you had a bad day at work, this isn't the movie. You know what I mean? Like if you like, you know, if you had a fight with your kid, like I, it, it, if you, you just performed in a bar where someone got cut. Exactly, you shouldn't watch this film. You know what I would, what I was doing while I watched it, I was scrubbing blood out of my white shirt. No. <laughs> Um, so I club soda and lemon guys. Yeah, That's exactly. It. <laughs> but um, uh, William H Macy is a pretty impressive director. But I think some of his, like again, I think this it could have been a leaner movie, and you still and it would have had more impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, uh, um, it, it it sort of drags on a bit. But it was really interesting, and it didn't sort of go down a couple of predictable roles that I thought it could have, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. it was uh, uh, recommended. Yes, All right. I recommend it. But first, uh, take an antidepressant. Okay. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah no, I, I would recommend it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's on, uh, it's on Amazon and Netflix now. 
All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Rudder. Let's check it out. Yeah, I'm curious because because William H Macy has only directed like a he directed like a TV a handful movie. of and he has a small yeah, part yeah. and he plays the bar owner. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love I love what he does. And one. Lawrence Fishburne was a good ad. Like he he injected energy because Billy's. I, I think part of the, maybe this is in the direction, but Billy sort of uh, like it was a labored a performance at times because I think that's what the character's going through, right? Mm-hmm. It's this sort of maudlin whatever. And then Lawrence Fishburne plays a. Uh, um, music shop owner in town, and he injects like energy into the film. So it was a, he was oh, a good cool. ad. He had an impre- impressive cast, definitely. Cool. Well, I want to talk about um, Book of Life next. This is the animated movie um, produced by Guillermo del Toro. Now it's one of those things too. Is it how much how involved was Guillermo del Toro? It's uh, um, d- despite the you know, the press releases and the interviews, it's like, he's kind of busy. He's working on, you know, (laughs) the next Pacific Rim, the Strain series. And, uh, but here's the thing, whether it's a vanity creditor or not, it's, um, it's a decent movie. It's a decent animated movie. It it wasn't the shovelware that I thought it would be, Mm -hmm. like kind of like this, um, these movies just being generated to, you know, um, Somebody, uh, Jorge Gutierrez, who I guess has done a lot of uh, animation in yes. in Mexico, I believe, mm-hmm. and it, it's a um, uh, it's an animated film that really this is a weird thing to say, but it really concentrates on the animation. It's a beautiful looking film, and it, it explores the uh, mythology of Mexico's Day of the Dead. Uh, and it's a mixture of like um, these kids go to a museum and they learn the stories, but then also the world opens up with the um, the Mexican puppets and the actual characters of the story are um, the animated puppets, which makes the characters a little more interesting to look at. But it's beautiful backgrounds, beautiful backdrops. Um, it's not bad. It's not amazing. The problem is is that uh, the bar has been set so high for story and character in animated films, for movies like anything from Pixar and Frozen and even mm. like something like Wreck-It Ralph, you just expect so much mm. from an animated film. But this one's not bad. It, it's it's definitely like right in the middle. It's like there have been far... It's not a Rio or a uh, You think, it could a been, you think there could have been more character development? I think there could have been more character development. Like the, like the humor's uneven, like the soundtrack's a little weird. Like it's like, you know, the mariachi band's playing like... Uh, you know, Radiohead, like, like, because it's meant to be kind of funny and tongue in cheek, uh, but it comes off as like, eh, you're oh, trying sp- too you try, like it was trying to be ironic. Yeah, yeah, and it's it not. I don't think you even need to go there. And like, you know, some of the the lines are like, eh, okay, but uh, um, so <laughs> again, it's another animated film that could have used uh, uh, another little bit of punch up from a bunch of comedy writers. <laughs> 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 uh, but here, here's the thing about it: uh, my kids absolutely loved it. Oh yeah, and they they loved it because it was beautiful to look at, but also it's you know it's a kind of a classic legend love story kind mm. of thing. Uh, my wife actually really liked it too. So it, it's um, it's like I said, it's it's better than I thought it would be. It's okay. It's like kind of right in the middle. Like if you have a choice of like some of these other a Shrek sequel or this one, definitely oh, pick, pick yeah. this one. Um, so Book of Life. It, it's now we saw it in 3D. It's not necessary to see it in 3D, but. The movie is beautiful enough that seeing it on a big screen so you could take in the detail of the animation is worth your while. So you're saying the animation alone is worth it? The animation alone is worth it, yeah. But why would they bother with 3D for that? I mean, can't you still get the can't you still get the brilliance of the animation without the 3D? Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, can. It's all a uh, a marketing and um, cost thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because once it's in the computer, it's much easier because you don't. It's not like you're setting up 3D cameras on a set. You know, you have it, you're creating right. a computer, it's easy to create 3D version 
regular version, and uh, but you can charge this giant premium for the three-day ticket price. What do you think is the animated movie that straddles that line best for adults and children? I think that's the hard. I think animation is the hardest thing to do because you've got to satisfy two different, very disparate groups of people at the same yes. time. Yes, and and when it works, it's brilliant. It's so funny is when they when like a movie like Up comes out and it's got like adults in tears in addition yeah. to like entertaining yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, lately some of the Disney quote non-pixar movies but here's the thing it's all the same company anyway they yeah. bought pixar john lasseter is involved in every animated project yeah. over there um things like uh um frozen was fantastic uh wreck it ralph i really yeah. liked tangled was great i thought ice age uh you know, ray romano was, the first one or yeah, the eight the, after that the, the first one <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a, I'll give the first two a, a nod, and then it, then it became the Rocky of animated right. movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that one was sort of my son was young, and we and I was like, oh, I could watch this whether or not I had a son. It was I right, thought that one right. carried it, it. It's that's how you could tell too, like when you know the ten o'clock. 10 p.m. screenings are sold out of an animated movie yeah. and there's no kids in the audience, yeah. that's when you know you've hit that sweet spot yeah. of like everyone wants to go see your right, movie. Right. Uh, like Big Hero 6 looks fantastic. I can't wait to, to mm-hmm. see that one. That's T.G. Miller's yeah, uh, new TG movie. Yeah, T.G. Miller's big film. Um, so definitely, if you've got kids, definitely check it out. The thing about this movie too is it's not getting the marketing push that a lot of um, you know these other movies are, are getting. So, But it, it, it's worth your time to check out. Your, your kids will probably like it. Like I said, it's beautiful. Um, Maybe you at. should see Rudderlist and immediately see that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's to get you yeah. out of the, right, exactly. the Rudderlist funk. That that'll, be your, that'll be your yin and yang, <laughs> yeah. indeed. So, uh, And the next movie is oh, The Judge. The now, judge. now mm. I will preface this, preface this by saying that uh, <laughs> this was the kind of movie that I really wanted to be good. I was like, oh, this could be such a great Re- Really? Because I saw the trailer and I'm like, this just feels like every retread. Oh, see, I, I was a little bit more optimistic. I was like, this could be a cool kind of son reconciling with the father um through you know them them first butting heads and going through a trial on the one trailer that they made yes Mm. four different trailers right right which is is of four different films yeah and that's the problem with this movie (laughs) it is four different movies yeah first of all this movie i like all these actors robert downey jr i'm disappointed to hear that robert duvall (laughs) are all through the three i love robert duvall Uh, of course how can you not like robert downey jr at times a little too smug for me i would like the problem with this film i would like to hold him down and make him do crack again yeah and (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna smoke this remember (laughs) no yeah you're too smug you shit yeah who the fuck do you think you are (laughs) exactly (laughs) maybe he should have done this film as iron man that would have been. <laughs> just comes it's into honestly, the courtroom. Like Let's see if we can work in another less than zero reference before you, the end of the show. <laughs> but he keeps. He keeps. I, I, that's the problem with this film. First of all, the problem is it's it's directed by David Dobkin, who did Wedding Crashers and um, Shanghai Nights, and. <laughs> So what's the problem? The problem mm. is why... Shanghai Nights or the David Lean of our generation, exactly. perhaps? You smug Robert Downey prick you. It's, it was written like a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's directed like a comedy. And then they're trying to get you into a drama. Right. So that's a good point. Because the first trailer I saw for this, I thought it was a comedy. And then I saw another trailer and I'm like... Oh, this is a vehicle through which these guys resolve this estranged relationship and whatever. Yeah. So you think it's a comedy, but 
it also is trying to be a hazy shade of winter. It's trying to be a real, <laughs> uh, honestly, it's like a, and it felt like a 90s movie. I felt right. like I was watching a, a, like a, a August Osage County versus Doc Hollywood and my cousin Vinny. Like literally, it made, it was like, what is going on in these heavy, there are these heavy moments happening mm-hmm. and then just like Jokey Jokerson and yeah. the crowd I'm watching it with yeah. in Ohio's laughing and I'm like, right. A little wow. bit of Doc Hollywood. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like back to the hillbilly yeah. town, from the big city guy. It was like so ridiculous, and the courtroom scenes, and then like what it needed was, and, and this is so hard to do. You have a heavy drama that has human funny moments. In yes, it. Mm-hmm. that's what's relatable. yes, and there are movies that have been able to pull that off, yes. and television shows that have been able to pull that off. This is because that happens in life. That's what happens in you life. You go to a funeral. I was talking to Gilbert Gottfried about it on my show, and he's like, "You go to a funeral, and I, I did it. You start making jokes, and it's a way of dealing right. with it. Mm-hmm. So as long as it has context and it's organic." And if movies that have been, I mean, even in like Philadelphia, right? There's moments, guys dying of AIDS, and there's moments where there's levity that made sense, yeah, within what's going but on. But you're talking about a director who's doing broad comedy, so like he's going to try, he's going to just try to jam in a, a sight gag or a big yeah. gag, and let Robert Downey Jr. just joke his way through it, and it's like, no, man, yeah, and and. It starts out this so cliched, high-powered lawyer like this. I'm like, I've seen this scene. Yeah, there must be a computer program that you can just add this scene <laughs> in Final Cut or something. That's just like, just give me a lo- hot, hot shot lawyer scene. Bam, right. like with Country Bumpkin Dad. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah, he's the hot shot big city lawyer. Like it was so like. Ugh. By the way, though, speaking about court scenes and my cousin Vinny, it was on the other night, and I was watching some of it at the cute I, but put upon paralegal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who ends up solving everything? Like right. the they dummy that no did the scene in the bathroom outside the courthouse where Robert Downey Jr. is like Johnny Slicksuit, and then Frumple Defender goes, "How could you do that? That's unethical." And he's like, "Well, you should tell your client that I'm Johnny Slicktop." You know, and it was just like boom, <laughs> Johnny like, Slicktop. I've seen this scene in yeah. that dumb series that's on usa or nbc that lawyer suits suits oh suits Uh, it's like it made suits look good (laughs) i I just it was so bad and then they when they try to you can make breckenmeyer watchable oh Oh, my god you can you explain that to me no i I can't i cannot (laughs) i have no explanation there's some people you go i it's i don't get it just as a diversion for a second the back and forth between the judge and joe pesci and my cousin Vinny. Is still some of the best comedic yeah. scenes. He's so good, Fred Gwynn, and his pacing is so uh, just perfect. He's not pushing, and the chemistry is there. It, it, it holds up. Anyway, I'm sorry. So I watch my say. cousin Vinny instead of exactly. Yes, exactly. Watch my cousin Vinny. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. It, it just movie is just, and it's two hours and twenty. Now minutes. I heard wow. that Duval initially. I read Duval initially didn't want to do this movie, and he turned down the script. He should have stuck with <laughs> he that. You. And then Iron Man showed up with John yeah. Favreau and uh, I saw Chef. I liked Chef. Chef's great. Go watch Chef. Yeah. You want to watch Robert Downey really Jr.? Really sweet yeah, movie. That's yeah. good. Man, he's a good director. Jackie did a nice review on the site, too. That's a, for, that's uh, a good film. This, the judge is just useless. Mm-hmm. Hashtag leave it. <laughs> <laughs> so since we had such a long uh, conversation earlier, why don't we just go right to a DVD? Let's do it. Uh, the Purge Anarchy is out. As I said, when this movie came out in the theaters, it it 
the, you know, the first purge had, I think, a $3 million budget. This has a $9 million budget. It's, it really expands on the themes of how violence doesn't work and letting mm-hmm. everybody kill everybody is not going to make society better mm-hmm. and is really... Look at the numbers, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> Death is big. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's really terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it shows what, what it would be. I, I think it's, if you missed it in the theaters, it's definitely a good DVD rental. Yeah. Because, you know, we're only one credit score away from that actually happening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> one credit Listen, score if, there, if there is a purge, I know where I'm going, and it's this garage. This garage. <laughs> you have everything that you need. You have duct tape, you have envelopes, you have a, yeah. you have a meth scale, mm-hmm. and weights. You and can, a samurai sword. And a samurai, samurai sword, sword, right. And you could surround yourself with t-shirts. It'd basically be like Kevlar. Yeah, pretty much. You could have eight inches of t-shirts. You have two coolers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you have a box of Lay's potato chips. Yeah. We're set. We're set. Yeah. I don't think we haven't planned it. We have five. Uh, and we five. have a smug Robert Downey Jr. on a loop. Yeah. yeah. Just, just <laughs> over and over again. Well, of course, you should... <laughs> <laughs> what, is he dying of cancer? <laughs> so, the, the next movie out right now is Earth to Echo. And what's weird, because this was out in the theaters a long time ago. The fact that this is finally getting to DVD... Um, this is a very bad children's film, and it's one of those movies that, like, oh, great premise. Uh, oh, it's a found footage E.T., and it's way worse. So there's no real purpose to this film. It was also one of those ones that, you know, somebody kind of gave up the rights. It right. got released well, while. It had a lot of problems getting made and distributed, and clearly, if you see the film, you'll understand why. Uh, now, Sex Tape. This is the, I don't know anyone who's seen this movie. Uh, yeah, if you guys have seen it, good luck. I yeah. made it. I made one. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, yeah. It's is... nice to see uh, television actors getting a paycheck during their hiatus. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's just that's what we can say about this film. It's nice to see they're still working. I think it is. How was the framing? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, it was a little little larger. It was. Uh, <laughs> I hope to God this was in three D. Yeah. <laughs> this should be in three D. Once again, folks. Uh, go watch my cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> better sex scenes. Yes, the sex scene between uh, Joe Pesci and Fred Gwynn. They were better. Magnificent. Se- there were better uh. sex scenes in less than zero. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I knew we'd get that worked in there again. Uh, now I had one DVD pick. Is uh, we had talked about this film earlier, but we hadn't seen it. Is the Signal? This is the Lawrence Fishburne um, film. This is an indie sci-fi movie. Uh, I really wanted to see this film because it was that kind of movie that's kind of shrouded in mystery. Like, you're not really sure what it's about. Um, it kind of sets it up like this, you know, weird metaphysical kind of allegory of like the way science fiction, uh, like a 2001 kind of thing. And the problem is, after I'm watching this movie, I realized, oh, you know what? This movie uh, thinks it's a lot smarter than it is. It's, uh, it just definitely falls apart. Um, when it keeps adding these cryptic scenes, like every once in a while when you have a movie, uh, a science fiction movie that you you deliberately make cryptic, when you start releasing information, it has to match the other information that you've released. <laughs> it can't be random pieces of science fiction uh, that have nothing to do with a previous scene. Yeah. Like at one point, 
one of the characters wakes up with robot hands and then another one wakes up with robot legs and then starts running like the flash like it's like the, the, you guys were in a facility you were chasing a hacker signal and you're missing one of your friends and now you're flashing back to when you were at a carnival this makes no sense and i really or think does it yeah <laughs> and and it's one of those movies too like you could if it was well done you could be on board you could be like all right this is like a 2001 or, or mm. an upstream color or whatever because the information is there it's up to you to put it together right um the information was not there or was presented in a very um sloppy way and so when you get like to the big reveals at the end it's like i don't care i don't care in this because nothing because they insulted you along the way and yeah, slapped yeah, you in the face with their it's like it's like okay i, I get it you're trying and, to be smart and trippy and it's not working and now you're just gonna hit me over the head with how smart and trippy you are and and it's an independent movie but it's it's not a no-budget science fiction film because you could see there's definitely a few million dollars into this movie because the effects are pretty decent. There's cars and crashes and explosions. And uh, it's one of those weird, like, low-budget sci-fi that uh, I think would have been better as, like, one of the a no-budget one. Like, if you really went, All like, right. pie or something and you really made it, like, darker and gritty, I think it would have been better served and worked on the script a little bit. But uh, it's a it's a leave-it all right, uh, but your DVD yeah, pick is a my it. DVD pick is a leave it. it seems like it's going to be more violent than leave it. Like I think it's like shit it out. It. <laughs> Let's create a new category Set of just yeah, like you insulted my intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the judge. <laughs> it's the judge of DVDs <laughs> releases. All right, coming out this week, Ouija. Yes. Okay, based yeah. on the Hasbro game. Yeah. Mm. But I have to recuse myself because I know the filmmakers. I wish them uh, all the best. Why don't you t- why, if you did, why don't you talk them out of it and save us all the trouble? It looks I like tried to get them on the show. They don't they don't like doing interviews. Oh, so I tried right. to get Yeah, them on because the they have to be have their feet held to the phone. <laughs> it's it's I, the, it just looks like the same for film. Like we've talked about this. The, the horror genre now There's yeah. paycheck movies for writers and directors yeah. too, I not mean, quick hey, actors. You guys are getting jobs. God bless them. I just feel like it's the same I've seen this trailer yeah. for a, a yeah. dozen, two dozen right. films. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, it's just, yeah. And it's just, it's, and then it's all these, yeah. That's it. All right. Uh, and the next one is John Wick. Speaking why? Of, speaking why of Keanu a, Reeves? Why? Speaking of seeing a, seeing a trailer the, a thousand times. Okay, yeah. here's the thing. I've heard several people who went to a screening of this and they were shockingly surprised that they, they thought it was good. See, really? this signals to me that this guy can't get scripts. Uh-huh. This feels like, but I could be wrong. But like he, he's Keanu Reeves, he's still got a name in Hollywood, right? Like, but this, oh yeah, definitely. This yeah, just looks like like literally at one. Like I was on this. I live in New York, and I'm on the subway, and there's a poster in the subway, and it goes, "Don't set him off," meaning it's a wick. Right. Get it? And I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that's what? Not even that's ironically, <laughs> like that's your tagline." That to me signaled that this was going to be like a, a a movie you go to laugh at. You know, you ever go see a movie yeah. that's yeah, so bad that it's I, good? That's what it looks like to me. But yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe it's one of those things where it's uh, it's a decent movie that's getting a terrible marketing campaign again. It could be that because again, I, I worked with Doug Benson this past week, and he's like, and I was like, really? He goes, no, man, it's good. I go, I only hope right, that he dude. can achieve uh, uh, new levels of wooden acting in this. <laughs> So again, folks, my cousin Vinny or Doc Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is the movie Citizen Four. This is actually a documentary. Um, 
I think it's interviews with Edward uh, Snowden. Oh, as, right, right, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's pull it up real quick uh, because I think it's, I believe it's a series of interviews or it's yeah. about the journalist who went over to interview him. Yeah, it's a documentary and a reporter traveled to Hong Kong for the first of many meetings with Edward Snowden. So okay. it's really just the documentary of him talking about the whole process. So that to me. Because he's in it. And yeah. Snowden's in it. He's in it. So uh, I'm curious to watch this. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. Uh, next movie is Laggies. This is a uh, uh, the Kieran Knightley movie that um, is about basically, you know, a coming of age for 20-somethings right. movies. So, But it's limited release. It may not even be near you, but it might be on demand. She's still acting? She is. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing is she's acting like she's still in her 20s. Ah, so, there you go. Um, yeah. Sam so, Rockwell's in it. Yeah, I love Sam Rockwell. Oh, he's so great. We'll see. Um, wow. All right, we got that's through it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it, you guys. Um, bing, bang, boom. That's episode. It always feels like an accomplishment when we get through an episode. Right. It seems like it uh, goes by very quickly. Yeah, it was very yeah. fun. But it was, it was a good time. So, Paul, yes. uh, where can people find your podcast, find you online, your websites, whatever? Uh, podcast. It's quite a guest list, by the way, that you, you have, have an amazing p- number of people who are I'm a pretty show. important guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm no John Wick. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Paul, Paul, it's called the Paul Mercurio Show. We workshopped that name a lot and decided that was the one. <laughs> How did we did focus, focus group. Oh, it was great. Uh, they said the name wasn't believable. Uh, <laughs> they just weren't buying me as Paul Mercurio. Actually, Lewis Black has a great story where they uh, they would see somebody doing a sitcom and. Uh, big sitcom and they wanted a Lewis Black character but they didn't want Lewis Black for it. (laughs) And and he had to audition to be himself and he didn't get it. That is a great story. Awesome. Um, Paul Mercurio show is on iTunes and on uh, sideshownetwork.tv. I'm going to be, when is this air? Today. I'm going to be on tour Uh, next week. I'm going to be at Cap City's Comedy Club October 29th and November 1st. Uh, November 6th through the 8th, I'm at Foxwoods uh, Casino up in Connecticut. And then uh, November 20th to the 23rd, I'm at the Omaha Funny Bone. And then other dates going into December. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, Denver, and D.C. Improv. And it's all on my website, paulmercurio.com, or on my Facebook page and Twitter, Paul Mercurio. And it's spelled M-E-C-U-R-I-O. If you spell it M-E-R-C-U-R-I-O, it's the guy who was in Strictly Ballroom who got in the Actors Union before I did, and because of him, I had to change the spelling of my name. <laughs> and I hate, I hate you, and I'm going to find you, and I'm going to, I'm going to, John, take my R back. I'm going to take my R back. I literally had to drop the R of my name because he got in the union before I did. So technically, your name is Paul Mercurio. Mercurio, that's my God-given name. It's on my license. But people were googling me and getting him, and he was like this hot dancer at the time, and now he's gone on to act. And like a really hot body and like tight black pants and like a white tank top. And he's like got a bottle of water that he's spraying on himself. And people go to his, find him and see that picture and then go, I didn't know you were doing gay porn. I'm like, that's not me. That's that dude. So it's M-E-C-U-R-I-O. So do people show up to comedy clubs and bummed out when you don't dance? Is that what, <laughs> yeah. is that what it is? No, but or you would appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the water? Cap, come to Cap City Comedy Club in Austin this weekend, guys, and watch Paul Paul. Where's the water? Um... I was working at a club that I worked all the time. You would appreciate this. And on the tables at the clubs, they have like usually a postcard of upcoming acts for the next month. And they had his picture with my name. Oh, that's great. And I'm like, you're breaking my heart. I've been here five years. Come on. So it happened. And we kind of look like a dark hair, you know, 
Italian Dark hair, tight pants. Tight pants. Water. <laughs> water Amazing pecs. Here. Say it. Look at my pecs. I know, I know you want to. You've been pouring water yeah. on yourself this whole show. <laughs> I did work out and pump up before. Yeah, you right? pumped up. <laughs> tight jeans. It's been an amazing podcast. Too bad we didn't do a video one. Uh, all right, well, cool, yeah. guys. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for being on the show. And and uh, I want to listen to the Paul McCartney episode. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul it's pretty cool. Yeah. And also, the Mythbusters one is really cool. Oh, oh cool. Nice. That's Two-parter. Cool. And they like, we really get into, we talk about atheism and God and, you know, they're scientists. They go to like these skeptic society meetings and mm-hmm. stuff around the country. So it took like, I like them when they take an unpredictable course, you know? Right. And they kind of take on a life of their own. So that's a really cool one. Well, check it out, guys. Um, we are going to be doing Comedy Film Nerds live uh, Sunday, November 2nd at the Helium Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon. It's a 7.30 show. It's going to be a great show. It's an amazing show. We have, we're flying up Jimmy Pardo. And Jackie Cation. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Cool. We're going to show the Earbuds trailer. We're going to show some other trailers. We might even show a little Asylum for you folks. Possibly, in, in possibly. Portland. And uh, we're also going to be doing uh, more previews for uh, upcoming films of yeah. the winter and fall season. It's because, honestly, we had a whole list of films for the uh, PodFest show, and we got to barely half of them. Oh, yeah. because there, There's many more films to talk about. There's more trailers to show. So even if you saw the podcast festival show, this one's going to be completely different. Gonna, and it's going to be a very visual show. We're going to be showing a lot of uh, clips, and we're going to be talking a lot. And uh, Jimmy and Jackie are going to be fantastic. It's going to be. Uh, the, the two of them together, we're very mm-hmm. excited for that. So that's uh, November 2nd, Helium Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you can go to heliumcomedyclub.com to get tickets. We also have them on uh, our website. Um, and it's sponsored by openprimaries.org. Uh, so if you're a registered voter uh, in in Oregon, uh, vote yes on ballot measure 90, November 4th. And you may have already seen the commercial we produced. Yes. We have a commercial, a 30-second spot that's uh, airing right now, and the 60-second spot is going to go online pretty soon. Starring Andy Wood. Starring Comedian Andy, Andy Wood. Wood. Comedian Andy Wood, <laughs> uh, Portland rel- uh, resident. Um, so check that out, you guys. November 2nd, Helium Comedy Club, Portland, Oregon, Comedy Film Nerds Live with Jimmy Pardo and Jackie Cation. And then, of course, November 15th, we're doing our stand-up comedy and short film show at the uh, the, at the uh, Inside Jokes Comedy Club at inside the uh, Chinese Theater. Now, I want to say something about this this show. This show is going to be amazing. And one of the things that we always wanted to do is short films are um, a medium and an art form all unto their own. And it's very difficult sometimes to wade through and find really good short films. And we do that for this show. We're going to be showing um, Rope-A-Dope. It's, a, uh, yeah. it's an amazing martial arts film with... Uh, um, Eric Jacobus and the stunt people, and we're also going to be showing some great animations. Some it's going to be a mix of uh, comedies, and also there's uh, like a cool kind of thriller. And we've got like five really amazing short films that uh, you're not going to want to miss that you'll only be able to see at the show. Uh, in fact, there's one comedy western that's uh, is narrated by Nick Offerman from uh, I think it's a Community. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's, it's yes. so funny. It's God, really good. hilarious. So and the uh, short programming is provided by Hollywood Shorts. We want to give them a shout out too. Um, they've been doing a great job finding amazing short films for us. So check it out. It's a mixture of stand up and short films, and uh, but the short films are going to be amazing. Uh, also, December sixth, I will be uh, headlining again at uh, Crossroads at Hawaiian Brian's in beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. So oh, be cool. there. Aloha. 
Uh, all right, guys, like us on uh, iTunes, on the Facebook, positive reviews, all that stuff helps. Absolutely. And get your friends to subscribe, too. That actually helps a lot, too. Mm-hmm. If you get uh, friends to subscribe to uh, Comedy Film Nerds, it actually helps our rankings considerably. The more subscriptions, uh, the higher the ranks go. Yes, they do, guys. And if you are in Portland, November 2nd, let's hope to see you there at uh, Helium. Work it. Well, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> Paul's going. I'm taking uh, Robert Downey Jr. We're going to just yell smug comments at you. God bless you. As long as you got tight jeans and water yeah. and the flash dance scene. Uh, then it's we're... right in my car. <laughs> <laughs> right after this. Wherever you travel. <laughs> it's, like, it's like an emergency kit. Well, if you show up, we're going to reenact scenes from my cousin Vinny. So that's uh, we're gonna do- two Utes. Yeah, two, yeah, that's what I said. Two Utes. Oh, you were serious about that? <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much to Paul Mercurio. My name is Grab Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. As always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Cut you. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm 90.